All right, we are back for another exciting episode, and we have a, another guest with us here. I would like to introduce Gil Allred with Allred Tactical. He is based locally here out of the Charlotte area in North Carolina. Gil, we are really excited to have you on. Thank you for Thank coming you. out. Thank you for having me. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah, you want, you want to give every, the audience just a little bit of uh, your background, where your experience? Yes, yeah, sure. I'm a Army veteran, um, Ranger, Sniper, uh, airborne air assault. Um, I then left that, joined the Charlotte Police Department, served there for 26 years, and retired. Hallelujah! <laughs> All right, made it out. Let's I start. That, let's uh, let's start there. Where where what what prompted you to go and join? Uh, you said Rangers, right? Yes. Yes. How how old were you when you made that decision? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I got out of the army, and I mean out of high school, and I was like. I could stay in Charlotte and work in the environment, but I was like, it will be more fun to join the Army. So that was really the thought process, like, this is going to be more fun. More fun. Were, were you right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Not on the food part, but on the on the ammo and explosives, yes. More than you could carry. Sure. But no food. No, no there's no good food in the <laughs> Army. Okay. So you can't count on the Army for good food. For food. But I feel like um, with... You, like, gave us your bio in, like, 10 seconds. I was like, there is so much <laughs> That's packed in there. That's a lot to unpack. There's I know. a lot easy. Yeah. Well, I guess I, guess I just kind of want to know, like, a little bit about, one, just a little bit about Army experience. For okay. sure. Right? Yeah, sure. And sure. then also, well, and once we kind of just get into that, a little bit about um, how that perhaps shapes your perception of America, the world, like, what kind of perspective it gives you. But let's just start off with your right, experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, without going into a lot of detail about saying what I see, what's wrong with the military today, because I could always, anybody could sit back and say what's wrong with it. But what I did when we were in is <clears throat> we simply ran everywhere we went. There was no walking. There was no such thing as walking. <laughs> so if you're walking, you're wasting time. And if you're walking, you have time to do push-ups. Okay. <laughs> right? So... Everything you do is done at a faster pace because we do, and we don't we don't talk about it. We do, mm-hmm. we don't we don't you know um, act like we're going to do something. We're we're in the process of doing something. Or so, so were you in active like combat situations? Like yes, what was because yes. I know there's different areas of the army and just different branches of the military. Uh, I know there's the air force, which I've heard is joked to be called the mm-hmm. chair force, right, um, right. which I love them. I love yeah, them. They drop yeah. us off where we have to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was curious, like, was it like an active combat role? Right. Like we, my unit went down to Panama before Panama went off, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that Panama um, at, in the eighties, late eighties, there was Operation Just Cause, where Just Cause is because we went in to capture Noriego from his um, drug abuse and drug running and smuggling and, and things like that in the United States. He's still in federal prison in Florida if he, okay. hasn't, wow. if he hasn't passed um, yet. He's been in there s- since the 80s when he was captured. Um, but we were there, you know, training and kind of supplementing um, – you know, a special forces A team that was there that was compromised, and we were down in Panama for a, a few months. You know, operating around Fort Sherman, around Pan- um, right across from Panama City. Um, you know, um, Cologne, the capital of Panama, mm-hmm. right around the canal. Okay. 
Okay, and you were there for a few months, you said. Yes. And then what, what other areas? Yeah, um, what other, was there any tours that you went on? No, I was going to go into, and I would have to extend, I'd have to re-enlist okay. for the Army, and I was ready to do that. I thought I was, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, no, you're not going to be a killer for Uncle Sam. You're going to be a soldier for me. Mm-hmm. And you can't really argue with that. You have to say, like, yes, sir. Yeah. Right? Especially sure. in the army, your 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 regards to giving an order are, yes, sir, even if it hurts, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Sometimes it hurts. So did, you you kind of wanted to do, yeah. Did, did you uh, did you grow up uh, Christian or a believing God, or was that something you found along the way in in the military career? It, yeah, that's a good question. So it was a long walk. I was saved as a, a young child. Mm-hmm. Um, by God, and but I, you, do you really know what that's about as as a young child? So as I grew up, you know, I kind of knew that I was saved as a teenager, and then went to the army and like knew that I was saved. But at the same time, I'm like, am I really living like it? Mm-hmm. Right? That we all ask ourselves that question because some of the times what you're doing is not always salvation, right? <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> but that's when you know you realize like I'm getting shot at. And I'm not getting hit. Mm-hmm. And it's so close. It's got to be God's hand, not mine. Right? And so then, you know, you transition that into your hometown of Charlotte, and you find yourself getting shot at in your hometown. Mm. And then you're like, that, that's so close. It actually comes through the car at you, and you're like, wow. So it really has to be the Lord. And then you run into people on the street like, um, without going into too much detail, because I don't want to scare people, but you run into like what I would say is a demon-possessed pers- person on the street that wants to kill you. And they look at you in the eyes and look at you with their full body wanting to fight, going through those motions mm-hmm. of wanting to get into a fight. And you just talk to them calmly and you, you, re- you basically reassure them that if they step into that, that realm, we use all the weapons that we have. And it's not going to turn out good on their behalf. Right. And, you know, we've had, so I've seen witness people and I've had believers, um, police officers that are believers with me. And they're, they're like, I cannot believe what I just saw with my own eyes. Mm-hmm. This person wanted to fight and you basically called them out and talked them down from it, you know? Wow. So it, it, it's a lot to, to really swallow that Christ is with you. Yeah. And you've. Right. Obviously, you get to experience you experience it a lot firsthand. I mean, probably with with being uh, in the army and then also being a police officer for for some time. Yeah. But in the army, I mean, did you ever have like these just surreal moments where you're like, "Did that just happen?" Or oh, what yes. am I doing? Like, I mean, I don't want to without getting into too much detail with what whatever you're comfortable with about what that kind of looked like for you. Like, what were maybe one of those experiences that you had? Well, two that I can, I'll talk about briefly because they might not come across well, but you come on a, along a scene where there was a battle there. Um, you have soldiers that are dead, um, burning f- flesh, mm-hmm. things that you never forget. Mm-hmm. You know, you can even still today, I can still smell it. Mm-hmm. Right. If that gives you some ideas. And you know, that, that kind of transfers into the police department when you see accidents, you see plane crashes, you see um, the worst of mankind. And then you still smell, like from a house fire, you still smell burning flesh. You, those, those things are brought back to life for you. So 
that affects you in and it never goes away from mm-hmm. you you know so you you have that um there was another instance i was going to talk about but um just with a a hand grenade going off and then it wasn't really close enough but just because of the trajectory of the shrapnel i caught a piece of shrapnel on my neck mm-hmm. and just that burning searing smell and your flesh you know burning you kind of throw that off of you kind of scratching mm-hmm. yourself saying get off of me <laughs> and you realize like wow that that's that's serious yeah so things like that you know now did you find in particular like i guess with people that were were in the army did you ever notice that there was a lot of issues with ptsd was that something you struggled with was that something you saw your fellow soldiers struggle with definitely a lot of uh, soldiers struggle with it um I think that I've, I've seen a lot of abuse of alcohol, mm-hmm. okay? And alcohol is legal, but it can be abused, obviously. Um, you know, drinking and driving, you can kill somebody, you can kill yourself. Mm-hmm. So I do see a lot of abuses in that. I've seen that in law enforcement, in, in police officers. I've seen that in military especially, and it's hard for all of us to deal with. Like, none of us know how we're going to deal with having to kill somebody, if you ever have to kill somebody. And thank God I've never had to kill anybody. I've been closer than I can guarantee you most people have ever been because I've been pulling the trigger, watching the hammer come back. Mm-hmm. And and only by the grace of God did the bullet not leave the end of the barrel, the trigger not hit the firing pin and it go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, I think that's really, really close. I mean, like splitting hairs close. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That gives me, you know, pause because I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I'm definitely not passive where I would sit by and watch somebody be injured and not do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Was, there, was there ever moral conflictions internally about having, realizing that you might have to shoot back? No. Um, actually, when I was young, actually, I, I was very happy to say that we'll just kill them all and let God sort them out. But then you think about that a little bit and you say, well, that's not really God's plan. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, so how does, how does you know, Gil yeah, now right, think right. about that compared to Gil well, when he's 20 flesh, years old? Right, that's the flesh. Yeah. Because you get people that come up and, and, and it is survival. It's like, okay, we're either going to kill them or they're going to kill us. And mm-hmm. we don't want to be killed. So we better, one, train and act like we're not going to be killed. And it better be real. Or mm-hmm. we're going to train and act like we're going to be dead and we're going to die. So, um, for instance, like when I say that everybody in my unit that I trained, that I was in my, my military unit with everyone with the breeze passed the physical test. Mm. The physical test was just a joke to us because we would all do our pushups and sit-ups. That was a two minute requirement in under a minute. And we would maximize. Is this the for the police test. force or no, for the military? Oh, for the, oh, for the military. So oh, okay. It, when I got to the police force, the, their PT test was a joke. So we, you know, we <laughs> run like eight. I think it was eight miles, and you run eight miles. And I'm like, we can do this backwards in the time you give us, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we were, eight, you know, eighteen. I was like twenty-two at the time, and mm-hmm. so um, you're just you do physical exercise seven days a week. It's there's no break, mm-hmm. and even when you're off, you work out because you're you're training. Yeah. And you have to really train to say that if I'm going to be in hand-to-hand, I've got to be better. If I'm going to be, you know, you've got to be mentally stronger, you have to be physically stronger. You have to be willing to say that no matter where I'm at, even if I can't go another step, I'm going to go another step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? 
and it transfers into the body. So you transfer and say like, okay, if I got get shot once, am I going to stop? No. Mm. If I get shot a hundred times, if I can still move forward, I'm going to still move forward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I might get on a bit of a tangent here because as you were talking, you were just kind of talking about um, like <laughs> physical fitness in general. And so, you know, you've been in the army, you've been in the police force and I've seen some statistics going around. It's like, we have so many people in America now that are unfortunately too overweight to even try to be a police officer, much less be uh, in the army or in the military. Um, I guess I just kind of want to hear your perspective on that. Like, as a country, we're so like physically unable like to right. do anything, and so I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think with. From what I've seen, not that I was around before um, we had grocery stores, but you know, I knew of not having grocery stores from my parents, mm-hmm. from my grandparents. And now that we have grocery stores and then we've come past that to process foods, everybody, it's very convenient to stop and get fast food. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you eat fast food, you're eating processed foods. It's not healthy for you. It's got contaminants in it. It, it has things that will make your body not function as it's supposed to function. And that's a different road to go down, but that's just the facts there. So you look at, like, health, mm-hmm. and as, especially as I'm getting older, I'm like, I can't eat that stuff anymore. Because yeah. I've had enough of it in my lifetime where I'm, like, my body's screaming, saying, like, don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Enough. Yeah, right. No moss, right? So, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I've learned the hard way over the years, like, don't drink soda every day. Don't have sweet tea every day. I'm a Southern boy. I grew up, sweet tea is water. <laughs> you right? love sweet tea. Right. Oh, come on. Water, water for you, syrup for everybody up north. Right, right. So I yeah, had that's to, how it is for me with sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, so I had to just stop drinking that. Mm-hmm. And and not that I can't have tea, but like I'll switch it to something better, oolong tea with no sugar. So oolong is better for you, organic. Well, it's kind of like a balance. It has to be a balance. And not that you can balance it, say... I've been good so I can have this bad stuff. There's some things of my body that I just cannot partake of. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, Without for going sure. into all the de- evil details. All the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it is about, is like a, I think it is a balance thing. Because I feel like there's a lot of, like body, they call it body positivity. Um, right. The movement of right. if you're like morbidly obese. So the key word is morbid. Right, yeah. which means yep. you're deadly. You're in right. a deadly zone that if you continue, you know, we don't see a ton of morbidly obese people make it to a certain age because it, it causes problems. It does, uh, and it's nobody just likes reality. to talk about that, and nobody wants to wake up and look in the mirror and say, "Look, I'm way overweight." Nobody likes that. We no. got to admit that N- none of us want to do that. So we, it's always a struggle every day to make that right choice. And that's where we we can talk about the other aspect of this physical stuff is a uh, is really about discipline. Mm, that was the exact word. I was like, it's right. discipline because it, it, I look at you and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not trying to toot your horn and make you feel no, so right, good, right. Gil, but <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe a little bit so we get some good answers from you. You know, I'm just messing, right. but you know, you've you have to be disciplined to be in the army. Like I can already tell you, you're more disciplined than I am. I don't need to think too long <laughs> on that. Um, right. You're more disciplined. And then being a police officer, okay, you've st- you're still keeping a level of discipline. It probably yeah. wasn't the same as the Army, I imagine, but probably close. But that's a good keyword is discipline. It's something that I feel like our generation lacks pretty significantly. Oh, I, I would I would agree. And it's, it's, it's funny because you, you mentioned, you know, your parents knowing a time before there was grocery stores and 
obviously you don't know that as well, but then you know a world without cell phones and without computers in everybody's house. And I vaguely know the world because it was not, <laughs> it was right, not right. like prominent at all when I was a kid. Like the first time people started walking around with cell phones was amazing because before that it was Palm Pilots and Pagers, which was a just, it was just different uh, back then. But with all of this technology that's come along to save time, people still can't find the time to, you know, shop for healthy food, shop organic, make their own meals instead of stopping and grabbing fast food. Um, but then, you know, moving over to what we're talking about just now, discipline, they, that the cell phones, the technology has become such a source of a distraction that I, I think that that is probably one of the predominant factors in why our generation just doesn't have that, doesn't have that discipline. Um, like, you know, what, what what did a normal day uh, in the uh, with the Rangers look like for you for training? Work all night, mm-hmm. maybe get two hours of sleep in the morning after the battle, and then move all day. And then if you could move all day, sometimes you have to get down. It you know, it depends on the, the mission. Um, and then you have to you're moving all night long, so you're basically moving fast. Um, and you're moving towards a, you know, as a ranger, you're, you're basically, you're moving towards a battle. Right. You know, so you're going to be ones that are taking it straight to the enemy and as hard and as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's that concept. But uh, the other concept that I like is as I was in my unit, I was not in a ranger battalion. I was a ranger qualified and the army guys would know that what that is. And in my unit, I'm a sniper. So I get to sit back off of the um, the battle, if you will, right. and, and control the the way the battle runs mm-hmm. because I get to take out the 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 problems that arise in battle. You know that could be the radio, that could be that could be command, that could be weapons, that could be you know tanks. You and you just mm-hmm. you know think about those things that could cause problems for um, your soldiers, and then we try to stop those things before they happen. So you were in a position basically to oversee, we'll say the the arena or the where where the battle was taking place, right? Um, and you were, you, I mean, you're not only looking out for your comrades, but you're also feeding information into into whoever your target or your enemy movements were, right? Yes, and and then in my unit there was, and in most of the units there's not just me, not just one. There, right. There's several. Okay. Which makes our job easier and it makes us more effective. Would they be positioned with you or different locations? Different locations, yes. So then you would not know. And then if you you got compromised, then you had cover at least to get you out of the area. Mm -hmm. And usually a a sniper, for instance, is not going to shoot from the same place twice. Right. Usually. But sometimes, you know, situations dictate what you do. Yeah, depending on the environment, Mm -hmm. whatever whatever it might be to make that shot harder to, to find where it came from. Right, yeah. but but like with technology nowadays, when you're having um, everything triangulate your shot, mm-hmm. so they know exactly where you are, you're definitely going to have to shoot fast and move. So we talked a little bit about just your past, and I think one of the things that we just kind of point out just in this conversation is just this idea of discipline that. We kind of have, you know, we talked about okay, you know, there's people that are, you know, a little bit overweight, or they're, or they're not, they're not taking care of their bodies the way that they should. We see even just kind of 
in the way that there's a lot of people our age, especially that just want everyone to do everything for them. Like, you know, you right. see that with like, like, okay, I'm going to take out a, a ton of student loans and I just want it to be forgiven um, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about the consequences of my own decisions. Now as an army guy, um, and just as a believer too, and just kind of mending, putting those experiences together, what are your, some of your concerns about America now with the way our young people are thinking? Like, wh- what do you think is the issue? Well, for me, <clears throat> being at my age and being a believer um, in the church for years, we were concerned about the destruction of the family in America. Mm-hmm. And now we're past that. The family has been destroyed except in the church. Do you really think, I'm just going to push back a little bit, because we have our divorce rate at 50% in the church. Yes. So do you feel That's like the, the culture, church. okay, so so no, go, go into it, tell me, tell no, me, so uh, what do you mean? I actually, I want to harp on that 50% rate one a little bit, because that's, uh, from reading up on it, what they did was took the rate of marriage, so couples that were getting married one year, and then they got that rate by taking it, comparing it to the divorces that year. That's not the same as following the couples that got married that year and seeing how long their marriage lasts. Mm. So the divorce rate being 50% is a misnomer. It's actually quite a bit less than that. And it's especially less in the church. And I would hope it would be less in the church. But even if it's not, let's just say arguably it's 50-50. And it's the same in the church as it is in the world. It should not be that way. And that's where, like, we go back to looking at Adam and Eve. Here's where I take it. All the way back to Adam and Eve, and Adam was passive with Eve and did not tell her not to eat the fruit, mm-hmm. and that was his mission. And man's failure is passivity. Mm-hmm. Women's women's failure is taking the initiative mm-hmm. when men should be do- leading the initiative, right? Biblically, not not just being a man say, "Well, I, I get to make the rules." Mm-hmm. So, biblically, we can't. We have to resist passivity. Mm-hmm. That's what I teach my boys. If you're you're you sense that you're being passive, don't do that anymore. Be assertive, but be righteously assertive, not overbearing, mm-hmm. because we're equally created, right? Um, my wife is not my lesser half; she's my better half, right? So it's not that I am assertive and overthrow her, her because of my assertiveness, but she knows that I'm going to resist passivity if I if I, if at all costs. Like I'm going to resist passivity and make a decision. Mm-hmm. And then I teach my boys the same thing because we have to not be Adam, right? We have to be the second Adam, which is Christ, and that's right. the assertive one. Um, and then we have then our wives need to know that their job, even though they want to and they're fully capable of doing it and leading, it's not their position to lead. It's the man's position to lead. Mm-hmm. not saying that women can't do it. Women can do it, but men need to do it, right? Even, and, and men need to do, you know, learn how to do it righteously. And that takes practice, right? It's not something that you're going to just pick up and say, oh, I got this, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and there's one thing that you said, you taught your boys, right? Yes. That's a part of That's the family. That's part of the problem. Yeah, That's why I said, like, the family structure being destroyed out in the world when you're not in, in Christ, you're not in the church, then that's the problem. Then you have no teaching going on by the father, and then you have whatever the uh, uh, the divorce rate is, then you have fathers that are not real fathers, and then the family's been split up, so then you have problems there with the family being broken down. And then you've got the other thing, like the pride parades that, that scream no fathers, 
right? Yeah. Or the screaming or two mothers. fathers. Yeah, or two fathers. <laughs> or too 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 many, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if if everybody's listening to me and then both are being assertive, then there's gonna be a battle. Mm. Right? Mm. So you can't have that. That's not that's not natural. Romans one. I think you even see kind of the battle between men and women on not just like in the marriage, because that's because we know that's just going to be a thing that happens in marriage. Right. The two yes. are going to go against yes. each other. But like we kind of see it, I feel like in our in our society where you have this uh, rise in feminism, um, basically trying to beat the man down into passivity, like you said, and basically saying, hey, men, you know, just stay down there. You know, we don't we don't want anything to do with you. It's very it's very strange. So you kind of see it on a large scale that that curse from the very mm-hmm. beginning mm-hmm. Um, that happens. And then with feminism too, I mean, gosh, there's so many different. The thing is that the breakdown of the nuclear family can be traced back to so many different like modern movements mm-hmm. that have happened. Yes, yes, a- and it's a hard thing. Like, I'm a part of True Life USA. And Trail Life USA is like the Boy Scouts, but with Christ. Okay. And Christ is unapologetically taught in Trail Life USA. It's it's all over the the internet. And we teach young men to be men. You know, that's our job is to teach them to be men of God, to mm-hmm. teach them this is what men do. And even when we do something bad, we make a bad decision. We don't let that stop us. We get back up and we keep going and we we know not to make that decision again. Mm-hmm. That, that was a bad decision, right? And we just admit that bad decision. We move on and we correct that. We we talk about it and say, okay, we did this, but we don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. We want to do this again and do the good things, repeat the good things, not repeat the bad things. Right. So right. so sure. it, it's it's an awesome organization and it it's it's actually teaching young men to be men. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's something I don't know if you find that outside the church. I think typically with men outside the church, they're just kind of being taught to kind of be passive. That they're told they're misogynistic if they mm-hmm. want to take the lead, like in a healthy way, of like, hey, I want to be the head of my household. That's misogynistic, and right. you can't. Yeah, there's can't definitely do that. there's definitely the man side of being too overbearing. Like, I'm the man, I make the decisions, and that's the end of the story, right? Mm-hmm. And we, you can see that. You can go out to your shopping center, and you can watch that man stomping into the store with his little humble wife behind him, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you can see that. That's not really the, the picture. I also don't like the picture of the woman proudly leaving her husband, and her husband's like a little poodle on a leash falling <laughs> behind. Oh, it hurts. You know, it that, makes my skin makes, crawl. Yeah, me too. And I'm like, that shouldn't be the case either. It should be in harmony. So I don't walk in front of my wife and say, follow me. We just, we're, we're best friends. We walk together, you know, mm-hmm. she's covering my other side, whatever side she's on. She's covering that side with her vision. And I've got my other side where I'm at. I'm at. It's my job to cover my territory. And if there's an assault or somebody that comes and threatens our, our way, then we're prepared. Yeah. You're the, you're the first offense, but that means you're also the first one that's, well, you're, you're putting your life on the line at that point. Right. So. Right. She can just scream and say somebody's coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just think it's cute, though, that you was like, yeah, we both have our eyes going different directions, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's that's fun. But I have to ask the question very straight up. How do we make men manly again? Like, if you were to, like, give just not an encouraging speech, but to give just, like, give a little advice, 
how do we get out of this mess that yeah. we're in yeah. with men not leading and then women don't want to be mothers anymore. They don't mm-hmm. want to embrace any of those roles. What would you say to help men be manlier? Well, men to get out of the house, right? To get up uh, away from the TV, to take your son, even your daughter, and to do something. If you're, I go outdoors and I love camping. My boys love camping. Mm-hmm. I think that my boys love camping because I taught them the love of camping. So whatever a father has that he can teach his boys and his daughter to love is a good thing, whether it be sports or pickleball or, <laughs> um, <laughs> or camping, right? Whatever it is, just be good at it. And you don't have to be an expert at it. You just have to know where you're at and start and move out. And then you f- maybe find an organization like Boy Scouts or like Trail Life, you know, that can help you be better at what you want to do. And what I do that for as a father is because I'm saying I'm raising my kids. I want my kids to remember that we had good times with our father. Mm-hmm. And my father had a lot of investment because I want them to be my best friends later, which I think they are. And like, you know, my oldest is married, but, you know, we still keep in touch. We talked last night and I'm, I'm happy about that, you know, that we can still have good conversations. I still ask him questions that are hard. And ask them questions like, I don't understand this news story that was told about this car, and I want to know what's going on with this car. And he knows those things. He tells me. <laughs> it's fun. Okay. Um, yeah, we, were, we were talking about the, the, the passive nature that a lot of the men have taken on. That, uh, at least in the Internet slang, they, you're usually getting referred to as betas and cocks who just kind of yeah. roll over for, for everybody. Um, how much of that, or what, what do you think is contributing to that passive, um, that passive lifestyle, that passive temperament of men these days? I, we could, we could say part of it is probably because we have had the, the, the hyper masculine macho guys that walk around and keep their wife in a, in a kind of beaten down submission. Like they didn't, she's not honoring him. She's just being submissive because maybe he's a tyrant. Um, and in the backlash of that has been the extreme feminism that we get now. So now if you are an assertive male, you just catch hell for it. Right. So I, in, in some respect, I can see why a lot of men are just like, fine, I'm not going to take the initiative on this. Just women can just have it. Yes. Yes. So well, what, what is it that you see between men and women where maybe this can kind of balance back out? Cause if we, people seem to be, uh, have a proclivity to, overcompensate when they're trying to correct something. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Right. We're just in like in my classes, um, I teach to practice mm-hmm. and the same principle we, we should practice like practice. And just like we do with getting in with, together with family gatherings, if you still do that, or if you get together with your family for Christmas or Thanksgiving, for instance, you practice those family gatherings. So you practice whatever you're going to do. Like if, if I'm going to go camping, when my boys even are not doing trail life, we, we might make a plan to say, let's go camping this month when it's, and then you plan out that month when you're going to go camping. You, and if you do that, you're more apt to do it than saying not plan it, right? Mm-hmm. My, pe- my, my, people fa- my people are passing because they fail to plan, right? So if you plan, to, if you plan out your, what you want to do, you're less likely to fail. And if you don't plan it out, you're definitely going to fail. You're not going to do it. It's not going to get done. So it all has to be planned, it has to be practiced, and it has to grow. And if you do that, um, it's going to get better. I mean, if we could just put down technology for a moment and get outside and spend time together, it would 
see, there is fun in life to do. Even if you don't, even if you mess up, there's still fun to do. I've messed up enough times, and I could speak on that for a week or more <laughs> straight. But um, you just pick up the pieces and move on. And the kids remember it, but they remember my dad's not perfect, and I'm not perfect, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, with a plan, you kind of have to have some level of purpose, mm-hmm. which I feel like. I think even men and women, but I think in different ways, because I'm not a man. Right. I, you know, I don't know all the, <laughs> I don't know all the you things. You can't speak on our issues. I can't. <laughs> I can, I've made like, I make some assumptions and they typically tend to be right, but um, I don't fully understand the pressure that goes with that. But we've kind of, I feel like we've kind of created a society that doesn't have a plan because they don't have any more purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we don't have a ton of people in a religious institution anymore. Right. No, yeah. It's 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 definitely dropped off a little bit, or seems to dropped off. Um, so there's lots of issues, and I want to go back to what you were saying, Connor. Like, um, what are you going to do as a man if a woman or the uh, a, a group says that mm-hmm. you're being way overbearing and you shouldn't be that way? You're not a real man. If you called on, I did not answer because I don't answer a fool in their folly, mm-hmm. right? And, and I tell them that to their face. I don't answer fools. And, you know, it is, it's not pleasant, but that's just, you know, get over it. You're not right. And I don't have to argue with you, but you're not right. And I don't give them the authority to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you argument time because you have a valid point. No, you don't have a valid point, so I'm not going to argue with you. So not letting the crowds define who you are. No, and I'm not going to, that's not their call to make. You know, I'm given direction by God. I follow his calling, not the world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that is an issue with today is, I guess we're all because social media, because you kind of talked about putting down your phone. I think there's some good to that because with social media, there's a lot of, like social contagion, mm-hmm. um, like, and there's a lot of really bad ideas that make their way on there. Um, I, have you heard of TikTok? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't going to assume yes. that you've heard of TikTok. Every, everyone knows on at least this podcast, I hate TikTok. Yes, I she does. I can't stand TikTok. It's like where your brain goes to melt and right, die. Right. And I tell my students <clears throat> to not go on it. Um, Provided you from the Chinese Republic. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I think they, I really do think that they, like, through that app, they can get your data and they can get way more information than I ever want. The Chinese already have so much of right, it, right. I can't yeah, give do. them any more. Why, why they need more, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're waging a long-term, a long-term war at this, at this point, and it's, it's turned into an information war, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think, I don't know that any of us here are the best ones to speak on it, but at least from the, the research that I've done and looking at it, it's, it is definitely a, for, for a civilization that's existed for, you know, several thousand years, there's a reason that they are still around, right? A lot of those, uh, a lot of those nations on the East r- are really have been around that long. And here we are several hundred years into, into America. <laughs> We're struggling to coexist and kind of developing these parallel economies of, of conservative and liberal stores and companies and, you know, where do you want to go and make your purchases where the, they don't hate you just for believing something? Right, right. And if you do think something differently, why do we have to think automatically that that's a bad thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it shouldn't be a bad thing that 
somebody sees red as good and somebody else sees red as bad. That doesn't have to be bad. It can be completely tolerable to have an opposing view and talk about it. Mm. We don't have to go to war over words. That's something we've done through history, and we don't have to do that. Yeah. No, we, we Hopefully we don't repeat that. Yeah, I don't think people know how to have opposing viewpoints without just completely blowing up at each other. I don't know what's happened to society where we can't have like a, a just a normal debate where you know, we could sit here. You and I could probably, if we sat here long enough, we could probably find something that we disagreed on. Definitely, probably something It'd we be could hard. disagree. Yeah. I've got one or two actually (laughs) (laughs) in my head, but I think Jordan, I think it's, it's social media is a huge portion of why people can't have this conversation where they can't, they can't, they don't know. They, they cannot uh, comprehend somebody having a different opinion because what social media did and this worked best for the platform was to just kind of put you in your, uh, what they term an echo chamber where everybody's post that you see tend to agree on you. Several years ago, some, there was a uh, a post that was going around on Facebook that was telling you where to go in your settings to find out like the labels that Facebook assigned to you. And I get into the settings and I find that they have labeled me as a, a young male conservative outdoorsman, yada, yada, video games. Like they had a pretty decent descriptor on me and that was used to target ads. But ultimately at this point, it seems to be that it also changes your newsfeed. And that became something really difficult for me. Plus, you have the option. It doesn't have to be Facebook that does this. You mm-hmm. or Twitter, any of them. You have the option to take people off of your newsfeed so you don't see their content anymore. So maybe I'm maybe I'm more on the left side of things, and I keep seeing Gil posting these conservative uh, concealed carry classes with with, uh, with all red tactical, and is like I don't want to see that anymore. And they take it off, and you know somebody else posts something, and they take that off, and they take that off, and it just pretty soon. They only have people that agree with them. So it's just a shock factor when you meet somebody that has a completely different view on the world than yours. And you know, maybe it makes sense to them, but you can't make sense of it. And I think it was as fragile as our new generation seem to be, that is just causing a mental crack in, in just how they see the world. Right. Like if we had opposing views in here now, it'd be like we cannot even have a conversation because everybody loses their cool and nobody can talk rationally about the opposing view. And um, that's just not right. It, it, it would be like if you were in school and one year you're the ugly duckling and the next year you're in the in crowd. If we allow this to prosper in America, sooner or later this popular vote that we've got currently is going to change and it's going to become an unpopular vote. And when that happens, those people are still going to be mad and then other people are going to be happy. So we really have to allow our government to operate the way it was designed to operate, and that's not to pass any illegitimate bills or laws that are not voted on at the right time by the right people. Mm-hmm. We couldn't, we shouldn't, we should not allow our government to be run by the people in that sense that the popular, the popular vote of the day should not get the hearing, should mm-hmm. not should not be allowed. We always temper that through our, our constitution and through our government. Um, but that seems to have broken recently. Right. Otherwise, you would just have mob rule, basically. Right. So as soon as you have the numbers advantage, then you win everything at that point. Right. Do you think the federal government has, has overreached 
its authority at this point and taken away too much from the states. On which part? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Pick one, Gil. <laughs> Whichever like on one. Them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much on all of the steps that they are going out. Like I would even say that the uh, na- the NEA, the National Education Association, mm-hmm. should not be a part of the federal government. That government money should be parsed out equally to the fifty states. Do you know, I'm putting you on the spot, do you know on, on the top of your head how much money per year, roughly? I don't want to know. <laughs> I know, because I'm like, what if it's millions? What if it's billions yeah. of dollars? It's it's more than we want to swallow, but mm-hmm. it's, it was not written out in the Constitution, and I agree with, um, like, if you remember um, other politicians that were in my time, younger, in the 70s and 80s, um, when they said, we won't do this because this is not written out by the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We need rep- we need representatives like that again. It said like that's not for us to debate even your your question because that's not our responsibility as a government entity. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're no, you're right. I've actually I'm I'm listening to an audio book right now about George Washington and mm-hmm. um, the convention that they had to even yeah. get to the point of creating the Constitution, which mm-hmm. took. Uh, months, but their original issue, because there's no, there's nothing new under the sun, right? There's nothing right. new under the sun, and so the issue that they were having was faction, was mob rule. But instead of the federal government, it was actually the states were too sovereign. That's why the the mm-hmm. Articles of Confederation were not working, and so George Washington kind of maneuvered people to uh, put forth a new uh, constitution. And the thing though that I was thinking about when I was listening to this book was. We have all these lawmakers now that are so hasty, um, and they're not willing to take the time to really debate out these types of issues where they're passing these bills that are like, you know, 90 pages long, 100 pages long. They're like, great, let's go ahead and vote on it the next day, right? 90,000 pages long. (laughs) (laughs) These long bills that no one has the time to read, and that's the point, is that you can't read the bill. Right. Um, And so you're absolutely right when you're just like, we got to go back to our roots of. Yes, we can. These the founding fathers had very lively debates about all of these issues, but a at the end time. of yeah, they they argued in a in a very humid little you know lecture room for a while mm-hmm. trying to figure things out. But we got to get back to that where we had a room full of people that really strongly disagreed on things, and somehow they were able to build um, this incredible country that we get to enjoy. Um, and so when I think about our lawmakers now, like AOC or you know, someone like that, I it kind of makes me a little sad. Well, it brings to me memory that our government and our founding fathers, like George Washington, said, we have given you this country, this republic, if you can keep it. And mm-hmm. they yeah. said yep. they said that at the time, if you have believers, Christians rule or, or lead, let's say not rule, but lead is a better word, mm-hmm. then this country will last a long time. But if you have people that don't believe, like AOC, mm-hmm. they don't believe. Well, I mean, that's clearly even other people, we don't have to say their names. They clearly don't believe by their actions, not their words. Mm-hmm. And if they, they do that, they don't believe, then obviously our government's not going to work the way it's supposed to work because right. they don't believe. They don't have that restraint. Right. Right. So without that restraint, without the restrainer there in them, then they don't have what it takes to lead. And... um I find it interesting, like a little tidbit, Massachusetts was the last state to disassemble the state church. Most mm. people don't know that, but Massachusetts, being a very liberal state nowadays, was the last church to disassemble the state church. 
Wow. And when there were state churches and you had to basically say that in order to be in office, you had to profess to be a believer in Jesus Christ, the, the one and only Lord God. And there was different stipulations there, but um, not that that was the, that, that was not the best way, but it yeah. was better than what we have now. Sure. Yeah. We were kind of having a debate about that, like for yeah, our last we, podcast. We had something similar about forcing people uh, to say they were Christian. I think, I think right. I mentioned I, I really do think it was the Roman Emperor Constantine, but I might be wrong on that. But same deal where the where the government becomes the church basically, and then they dictate that all of their citizens must right. must be of a certain religion, and just how a that creates strife with people that don't feel the same way, but b it, it creates just a falsehood mm-hmm. uh, about the people. Where I, I wouldn't. If America decided we, you know, not only are we a Christian nation, but you have to proclaim Christ, right? It wouldn't be genuine. It would just be false, right? And the flip side of that is only a Christian nation will give you the freedom to have other religions in a nation. Mm-hmm. Other religions will not allow it. So, in order for us to have a, a free nation, it has to remain a basically a Christian nation. If we go away from a Christian nation, then we're going to have mob rule. We're going to have an illegitimate government. We're going to have wrong things like this happening. That's why we have to go back to the family, mm-hmm. back to fathers, mm-hmm. back to leaders, back to doing the right thing. Even this technology is a great thing to use the right way, mm-hmm. but it's not to be used the wrong way. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree.